Amen. God is good. God is good. As we're just in this spirit of worship this morning, we had started a series last week. When we, uh, last week we kicked off being one church in two locations. And so we started a series off that, that uh, has the same name as our location in Columbus, Connecting Point. And we talked about in this series last week, uh, con- Connecting Point Because Relationships Matter. That was the name of our, of our series. And we're in week two today. And we're talking about these specific relationships in our life. Uh, more importantly, these points of connection with these relationships in our life that change our life for the better. We said that we all have these points of connection in our life that change our life for the better. Think back uh, at a conversation or connection that you had in a relationship with someone that changed the course of your life. One that I recall is when I was in college, God had called me in, uh, into ministry and I accepted a call to be a youth pastor. I'd actually changed my major, I don't even know how many times, mainly because I was running from God. But as I connected myself to God, he began to change my story, which is what we talked about last week, that when we connect with God, he changes our story. And as he began to change my story, he began to change my calling. And he began to call me into to ministry. And so I began to go down that road and took classes for that. And I ran across this professor. His name is Tom Lytle. His, well, actually, he passed away several years ago of a brain tumor. But his name was Tom Lytle, and he had a, an immediate impact on my life. I remember the first time I met him, I was in class, and we struck up a conversation afterwards, and we began to just visit and talk, and, and just he would invite me to his office and just share his heart with me. And I remember a specific conversation that I had with him where I was in his office and he looked across from me and he said, Kyle, I just want you to know this. He said, I see a lot of potential in you and I believe God has big plans for you, but you want to make sure that your life is fully given to God. And he just began to just share some very positive things about me that he uh, just saw. And I just remember just eating that up and just remember being so encouraged and felt the Lord um, speaking to me as he was talking. He believed in me. And we all have, you know, relationships like that where someone, whether it was a teach, a teacher or a coach or a parent or a pastor or a friend or a husband or a wife that has done something that changes the course of our life. And we talked about last week that the most important relationship in our life that we're called to connect to that can change our life is to connect ourselves with God. See, when we connect with God, He changes our story. So while we all have these relationships in life, the most important that we are to connect with is to connect with God because He changes our story as God changed my story. Well, what happens is, is once we've connected with God, He not only changes our story, but He starts to work on our character. See, when we connect with God and we have relationship with Him and we invite Him into our our hearts, He puts the Holy Spirit inside of us. And there's a process that starts. See, an experience is what starts it. When you ask Jesus into your heart, 
and experience starts it, but then there's a process that happens after the Holy Spirit comes into your heart, and it's through, He starts to transform and change your character. And what you begin to realize is, is that as we all have these encounters with people, and, and most importantly with God, and He begins to, to change our character, there's certain things maybe that we used to say that we don't really feel like is the right thing to say anymore. Or there's certain things that we used to do or we used to watch or places we used to go, you know, on and on it goes, that usually wasn't out of bounds. But now because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us and because we're letting God have control of our life, we start to think, well, for some reason I'm not okay with that. And we begin to ask this question, am I drawing the lines in my life about what's right or what's wrong, or is God? Who draws the lines in your life? That's essentially what you ask as you begin to have a relationship with God. Who draws the lines in my life? Who, am, am I the one that's deciding what I can say and what I can watch and where I can go and how I can treat someone, or is God? You see, as God starts to transform our character, He starts to move the lines in our life, where we draw the lines, what we think is appropriate and what is not. And as as we do that, God begins to redefine what is right and what is wrong. See, there were certain things in my life that I was okay with until I started walking closely with God. And once I started walking closely with God, some of those things that I thought were right, now all of a sudden God's Spirit in me says, Kyle, this is wrong. I think Paul could identify with that. Paul was this guy in Scripture that had persecuted God's church. But later, God begins to transform him, and he goes from you know giving a ton of misery to God's church to being God's church's biggest missionary. He goes from being, you know, creating misery for the church to being the church's greatest missionary. And so Paul can speak to that. And he begins to have this encounter with God, you know, this experience with God that I talked about earlier. An experience, an encounter with God that leads to a process with God. In Acts chapter 9, if you want to read that sometime, it talks about this encounter with God. Jesus just gets all up in his face. And he's just like, Saul, what are you doing? Saul was his name to the Jews, and later he was Paul to the Gentiles. And so he's talking to Saul, and he goes, what are you doing? And they have this dialogue back and forth, and at some point, scales are removed from Paul's eyes, and he's able to see, and God gives him a purpose, which we're going to talk about that next week. God gives him a purpose, and now all of a sudden, the things that he thought were right are wrong, and the things that he thought were wrong now he thinks are right. And you can see evidence of that in chapter 5, verse 17 of Second Corinthians. He writes this, anyone who belongs to Christ. I mean, if, any, if, you know, if you knew Saul back then, he would have never said this without God. But the Holy Spirit was transforming his character. And he says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. A new person. Say it with me in your house. A new person. The old life is gone. 
and a new life has begun. Church, this morning, if you're not a follower of God, if you're not sure what you believe, then you're off the hook. But if you are a follower of God, if you say today that you want to follow God, then we have to let God transform us from the inside out. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to to move in us and begin to transform us. In fact, Paul not only has this experience that leads him to write what you see there, but then he says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? Now, I don't know if the people in Corinth who were, you know, believers had been told that before and forgotten, or maybe he was telling them for the first time, but it sounds like to me he was reminding them because he kind of asked that as this question. But he says, do you not know that you're God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Folks, I would ask us today, and myself included, the same way that Paul said this to them, I I say it to all of us. As believers, we are God's temple. When I was a kid, I would hear people say, don't don't run in the church. Don't bring your drink in the church because this is God's sanctuary. And the truth is, that's not a biblical statement. You see, we gather together today, not in this sanctuary, but we're still having church. Some of you are in hospital rooms. Some of you are in homes. Some of you are on the road. And yet, We're still the church. Why? Because the building isn't the temple. We are the temple. We are the sanctuary. And so this morning, you can't just leave this sanctuary and go do whatever. When you're a believer, you take that sanctuary with you. When you're at the movies, whether it's a good movie to watch or not, it's with you. Whatever's on, you know, on your phone, your music, you're taking the temple with you. What comes out your mouth somewhere You're the temple. And Paul's reminding them to keep it clean, to keep our temples clean. So this morning, as we learn about what it means to have transformed character, I want to give you a couple of lifelines so that we can continue to have Christ-like character. I got married on December 18th, 1999. And we had, it was a special day. We said some very important vows to each other and we made some commitments to each other. And you know, when we first come to Christ, it's the same way. We say some very important things like, God, I surrender my life to you. You're the Lord of my life. But in the same way that you know that a marriage is more than just the day you get married, our relationship with God is more than just the day that you invite Jesus into your heart. And while we start with a clean slate and we start with with a clean slate with God when we're forgiven, we're still called to keep that temple clean. And I want to give you a couple lifelines that will help all of us keep our temple clean. It's nothing that we haven't heard before, but it's things that we need to be reminded of. So the first lifeline that we have to have to keep our temple clean is God's Word. And I don't know if you have a Bible anymore now. They have the Version Bible. There's all kinds of Bibles that you can get on your phone. Um, I like having my Bible on my phone, but I also like having a hard Bible. But we have to keep God's Word in our heart. My wife, just about every day, whether it's text or something, gives me some instructions. Like, you need to pick up Noah from practice. Or, what do you want to do for dinner? Or, I forgot to tell you, but we're meeting such and such tonight. And if I don't read those instructions, 
my day and is not going to go the way it's supposed to. Something's going to mess up. And folks, God has given us instructions on how to live the life that he wants us to live. And if we don't read this every day, there's instructions that we're going to miss. And it's going to keep us from being the temple that God wants us to be. Paul tells Timothy, when he's writing Timothy, he says, All Scripture is inspired by God, and it's useful. Well, how's it useful? Paul says, I'm glad you asked, to teach us what is true. See, anymore, and I'm, you know, I could labor on this for a while, but anymore, the world says that whatever you think is truth is truth. The world tries to say there is no absolute truth anymore. In fact, Scripture warns about that happening. And he says in the last days that people will, will fall away and they'll just look for what their itching ears want to hear. Folks, the Bible is not just some suggestions. It's not just some nice things. God calls us to, to read it and apply it to our lives because it's useful to teach us what is kind of true What's true for you? What's true for me? No. What is true? What is true? Say that with me. What is true? And it makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. Can I just tell you this real quick? Now, I know you and your, your wife or your husband or whoever you have a relationship with, I know that you guys never argue, but my wife and I had an intense moment of communication several you know, months back. And honestly, I thought she was wrong. Still, still think she was wrong about what we talked about. However, how I handled me being right, or at least thinking that I was right, was wrong. And it took me reading God's Word to realize that I handled it wrong. I was reading God's Word, and God began to speak to me and say, Kyle, you need to apologize God, I was right. You were as wrong as she was because of how you handled being right. See, if I wouldn't have opened God's word, I'd have never said I was sorry. I'd have never, you know, I, I wouldn't have done that on my own. See, Scripture helps us realize what's wrong in our, right, in our life. And then it says it corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And, you know, in fairness to all of us, Sometimes it's really hard to discern what's right. I mean, think about it. You're deciding, am I going to marry them or not? Am I going to take that job or not? Am I going to serve in this way or not? Am I supposed to, to be more assertive or am I supposed to just take what my boss is saying? I mean, sometimes it's not black and white and we need the Holy Spirit and God's Word to speak to us. It teaches us what is right and what is wrong. David jumps in in Psalm and he says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. In other words, what he's saying here is as we hide his word, not just read it, but as we read it enough to the point that it starts to soak in. I mean, think you can think of something that someone in your life, you know, you know what they're going to say. You know how they're going to act. You know how they're going to respond. Why? Because you've been around them enough. As we read God's word and it soaks into us, we're able to hide it in our hearts so that when we're tempted, we won't sin against God. The other lifeline besides God's word we have to have if we're going to continue to let God transform our character. Because we never really arrive, obviously, 
We're always seeking to be more like Christ. The second lifeline is the Holy Spirit. See, when we invite Jesus into our heart, we have the Holy Spirit. But you know, the Holy Spirit doesn't want another roommate in our heart. And when we invite Jesus into our heart, He comes into our heart. But sometimes we let pride and and slander and anger and sexual immorality and different things in. And that squelches the Spirit in us because the Spirit isn't good with that. But as we let the Spirit work in us, it keeps the sinful nature out of us. In fact, that's, let's say that together. The Holy Spirit working in us keeps the sinful nature out of us. You can almost sing it. The Holy Spirit working in us keeps the sinful nature out of us. I guess that's not a song, but anyway. The Holy Spirit, as He's working in us, as He's active, the key word there is working. As He's working in us. How do we keep Him working in us? Through reading His Word, through prayer. Paul talks a lot about this passage of Scripture. I mean, Paul was all over the place in, in his life, and he finally had relationship with God, so there's nobody that can speak to us better than Paul about what this is like. See, Paul writes that we've got these two natures that are always fighting and, and battling. He says the sinful nature. I mean, we all have that. Even the cutest baby that you know that you've seen, they have the sinful nature in them. We all have the sinful nature, but as followers of Jesus, God's given us his spirit nature. But what happens is, is as we don't read his word and we don't spend time with God, the old sinful nature can creep back in. And that's why Paul defines it. He says the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. I mean, I can think of times where I know the Lord's whispering to me, don't say it, don't do it, or you need to do something. But there's this human flesh nature that wants to do the opposite. In fact, Paul says, and the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the Spirit nature desires. He says these two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. I know that's a lot of Scripture, and, and, but it's true today. See, our moral compass is set by God's Word. And God's Word will never contradict, or the Holy Spirit will never contradict God's Word, so that God's Word is the ultimate authority in our life. And in order for us to discern what's good and what's evil, is through reading His Word. Because of things like this next uh, passage of Scripture. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature. Now check this out. This creates a little tension for us today. But the Bible clarifies when we're following the sinful nature. There's no guesswork. He tells us. The desires of the sinful nature are very clear. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Lustful pleasures. He goes on, lists a bunch. Idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, even envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. So Paul gets very 
specific. And then he says this. Let me tell you again, as I have before. This is hard to hear, but it's needed. Anyone that lives a life according to the sinful nature will not inherit the kingdom of God. But then he writes, the Holy Spirit produces a different kind of fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And he says those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature and his cross, and they've crucified them there. So he finally finishes with this. He says, since we're living by the Spirit, follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So I took us through that kind of long Scripture passage this morning for us to understand that there's a difference between living according to the sinful nature and living according to God's nature. So as we read God's Word and we listen to the Holy Spirit, there's one last lifeline this morning that we need, and that's simply the power of prayer. I mean, think about in your life where you're having a bad day or you've got something going on and you have a conversation with someone that encourages you. That's really what prayer is. It's communication with God. See, prayer is not talking to God. Prayer is communication with God. See, communication involves talking and listening. If we want God's character to continue to be developed in us, we read His Word, we we let the Spirit grow in us, and we talk to God, and we listen to God. James says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power, and it produces wonderful results. So this morning, we've got a principle today. Once we connect with God, He transforms our character. Read that with me. Once we connect with God, He transforms our character. He transforms our character. I can't transform my character. You can't transform your character. Only God can do that. So real quick this morning, I want to give you three action steps this morning, or a couple action steps this morning that you can follow in your life so that we can apply God's character. The first one is simply this, if you want to take something away. Let God's Spirit guide you rather than your impulses taking over you. I told you that we let the Holy Spirit in our lives. We read His Word and we pray. But practically, how do we live this out? Let God's Spirit guide you rather than your impulses taking over you. So I'm going to I'm going to tell a quick story on myself here this morning. I let my impulses guide me the other day. I was at my daughter's basketball game in Cherokee. And the other thing you may not know about me is I'm competitive by nature. God has done some works in my life, but sometimes my competitive nature comes out. And there was a couple of what I would call bad calls in the game. And the last call, a couple people fell, and it was really a no call, but the ref called it on my daughter. And before I could even shut my mouth, I said, you called that on 25? Well, we were in Cherokee, not Pittsburgh, 
The gym wasn't as big. There wasn't as many people. It got stone cold quiet. And one of the refs blows his whistle and looks at me and says, hey, we're not going to have this. We're not going to have you talking. Of course, you know, now I'm like, oh boy, I overstepped here. I kind of shook my head because my pride was still boiling up in me. I didn't say anything. And that's all I said. I didn't go any farther than that. Got to looking around a little bit. Noticed a couple of people that go to our church sitting in the stands. My dad's there, my kids. Let God's spirit guide you rather than your impulses taking over you. My dad leans over after a while and he says, Kyle, do you know who that referee is? I said, no. He said, he's the pastor at one of the churches here in Cherokee. I'm like, oh, are you serious? So the game was over and I thought about talking to the ref and and I thought, well, what am I going to say? And I went home and I woke up early the next morning. I couldn't sleep. And the Lord just said to me, Kyle, wait a minute. I'm supposed to have, God's already supposed to transform my character. Why would I act like that? Kyle, you need to, okay, God, I know, I know. So I found this guy's information. I got a hold of him and I explained. I said, you know, I, I lost it. I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have said that. And he fired, or he sent back to me. He said, you know, we all make mistakes. I've been there too. And so I began to talk to him and I said, hey, I'm supposed to preach on Christ-like character and I didn't demonstrate it last night. He started laughing. He said, you know, God has a way of doing that. I contacted the person that was from our church, said the same thing. Grace, there was grace there for me. And I share that with you today, not to tell on myself. I share that with you because sometimes when God transforms our character, we think that we are, we're perfect. See, when, when God transforms our character, that means that when we do the wrong thing, we try to do the right thing. And we learn that we need to let God's spirit guide us rather than our impulses taking over us. See, the right thing to do is best discerned when we're calm and we're thinking clearly. The other thing we can do is have no secret world. See, Satan wants to get at us and chip away at our character by hiding things. Can I tell you today, Satan wanted me to hide what I did this on that Saturday. But I wasn't going to do that. I confessed it. And I received forgiveness. I share that with you today as another way for me not to hide that. And I encourage you to do the same. Don't hide things. Confess them to the Lord and someone that you know you can trust. Solomon says, people who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from, their, from them, they will receive mercy. There's a quote that says, sin will always take you farther than you wanted to go, cost you more than you wanted to pay, and keep you longer than you wanted to stay. But as we seek his word, as we let his spirit move in us, as we talk with him and listen to him, he transforms our character. This morning, Are you drawing the lines in your life like I talked about at the beginning? Are you deciding what's wrong and what's right? 
Are you deciding if it's okay to say that or it's not okay to say that? Or are you letting God do those things? So right where you're at today, even if there's a bunch of you gathered together around a computer, I'm just going to ask us all to bow our heads and close our eyes. And I'm just going to simply ask you, where are you drawing the lines? Is there a line that God is asking you to let him have the pen or the pencil? If that's you today, you can just simply say this, God, I'm giving you the pencil or the pen today. And I'm saying to you, Lord, you draw the lines. You, dis- you change my character. You, Father, have permission to tell me what is right and what is wrong. With every head bowed and every eye closed, even from home, if you prayed that prayer just as an acknowledgement to God, obviously we can't see you, but God can, would you just slip your hand up today? Lord, you see those hands. Do a work, Father, that only you can get credit for today. Thank you, Lord, that when you, we connect with you, you change our story and you transform our character. We hope that you have a great Sunday today. Stay warm and stay safe. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have a great Sunday.